Well, hello everyone. Darren Saul here, back again for another episode of Playing with Perspective, the suspended animation podcast. It's episode 164 with the lovely Laurie Brooke. Hello, Laurie. Hello, Darren. How are you? How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Beautiful. How are you going? I'm going well, you know, in uh, lockdown here in Sydney, and I believe you're the same over there. Yep. That's uh, we're getting through what we have to do and uh, see what happens. That's it. And online's a beautiful thing. And online is a very beautiful thing. Thank God for technology. Yes. <laughs> now, everyone out there, we've got a great show. Laurie is a family law mediator, and we're going to be chatting all about the fact that thoughts aren't fact. So Laurie is a family law mediator who helps individuals resolve their parenting and property disputes in a safe and comfortable manner. With over 15 years of experience in the family law industry, Laurie helps remove the shame and embarrassment that come with a relationship breakdown. Instead, Laurie provides a safe and comfortable space online so that people can focus on creating an agreement that works the best for them and their family. So welcome, Laurie. Thank you, Darren. That was a beautiful introduction. Yes. Now, sounds like you would have seen it all by now, 15 years dealing with disputes. My God. Yep, I've seen everything. Seen it all. So tell us how you got into this in the first place. Uh, pure, I think at the very first instance of it was pure luck, really, because, right. you know, I was studying law and I went, well, I've got to try and get a job in this area now, so where do I go? And I um, got work experience with a family lawyer okay. and started there and absolutely loved it. Um, and I made it my, I suppose, my mission at that particular point in time. She did a lot of work representing children and I went, that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And so I focused on getting that and I got that. And then I went, now I want to focus on helping these kids stay out of these disputes. We don't want to be in court representing kids. We want them to be happy and, yep. you know, away from the disputes. So then, you know, I kind of just deviated and looked at other ways I can help people. Fantastic. And you've never looked back. Never looked back. Never looked back. And you're practicing mainly online from home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do a lot of um, mediation. So I actually live in central Queensland now. And, you know, being in central Queensland, um, you have to travel a long way to get anywhere. But um, technology is wonderful. It is. Zoom is amazing. Certainly is. Now, fascinating point. How, what percentage do you think of cases get solved outside of court? quite quite a number it's only a small percentage is right. a small percentage of disputes that actually end up in court it's oh, just true. they're the ones that you know we hear all about they're the ones that people talk about and um they're the ones that the media grab hold of yeah. you know when you've got those high high profile cases but that's really only the tip of the iceberg for the most part parents or couples can resolve their disputes outside of court and they will and our system's set up to facilitate that which is a fabulous thing Awesome. I mean, that's great. And I mean, we were chatting just briefly before we started about the fact that, you know, mediation is a journey. It's a journey to build trust. And um, so I'd love to get into that in a bit more detail. But before we do, I just want to chat about the title for this episode, Thoughts Aren't Fact. Now, I love this. (laughs) Tell us, you know, what this means to you. Why do we seem to fall into this trap? How does it affect what you do? 
Look, thoughts aren't fact. And this is something that I try and teach a lot of the people that come and work with me because what I find is that as humans, our self-judgment is huge Mm -hmm. and we always think the worst of ourselves. Um, And that then also leads us to think that others are thinking the worst about us. And so then we approach a situation and we've already gone into it thinking, you know, they don't like me, they're angry at me, they can remember something that, you know, is huge in my mind, but in reality they've got no recollection of it at all. And then we go into that thinking that that's what's happening. Um, And that just spirals the situation from there. So we carry that baggage into the dialogue, into the mediation. Yep, we do. We carry and but we carry it into any relationship that we have. Um, and it, I think this is the best thing in terms of the work that I do. I focus on helping people through that separation and divorce process. But these tools can be used across all of our relationships. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, definitely. I mean, when it comes to how we think and our internal dialogue, this yeah. affects every part of our life. Yep, absolutely. Very get, much so. You just get to see the brunt of it. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I mean, I think for me, it's one of those, we all have those moments where something, you know, that we consider to be embarrassing or humiliating or those moments where you just think, oh, open up and swallow me whole. Yeah. And we can remember exactly who was there when that happened. We can remember all the little details around it. And we think that everyone that witnessed that will remember that until the day we die. But they don't. No, that's right. And so what do you do when people are coming to see you or you have an appointment to see people? Do you, is there a way that you get them into the right frame of mind before they enter that discussion, that enter that conversation? Anything that you do for that? Uh, for me, it's all about going, I suppose, getting to the core of it. So asking them what they think, but also why they think that. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about, you know, if you ask the question why, 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 why is a big one that I just keep asking because eventually they'll stop and they'll just look at you and go, "Hmm, maybe that's not right. Maybe I've made that assumption and I've made that into something and maybe I then need to ask the question, is this actually the case? Is this the case? Yeah. I mean, it's almost borderline marriage counselling to a degree. (laughs) Yeah, except these people aren't getting back together. They're not getting, like, is there never any... Example, when you, after you do mediation, they say, you know what, let's just stay together for a little while. Not that I'm aware of. I've never had one where they've got back together, or at least they've never told me they've got back together. So, Okay, fantastic. So tell us a bit more about what you do exactly, how you do it. Do you work with any particular um, niche within that field? I suppose um, the work that I do works, um, goes across all of the family law spectrum. So I help those parents from a high conflict status um, who have been through the court process. I help parents who are going through the court process. And then I help parents who are, um, you know, who have just separated. Um, A lot of the work I do is on um, helping parents navigate the co-parenting relationship that they have, um, whether that be at the start of the journey or at the end of the journey. And the work that we do can be from mediation, it can be from conflict coaching, um, and it can be from just, you know, giving them communication tools or parenting programs for them to work through. It depends on their individual needs at the end of the day. Um, It's not a one-size-fits-all model. 
Wow. So, I mean, that's very extensive. You really deal with a lot of different facets of that relationship or that, that point in the relationship. It's not just let's get the deal done so we can separate. There's so much more to it than that. There is. And I think for me, my the reason I do this is because I started it with the thought of I need to help the children mm. and I want the children to be free of the the, the conflict that's between the parents. Yeah. Um, so I started off by saying, thinking, well, you know, this would work. Um, and for me, that was the communication platform. And then I realized, well, that's only helping a small portion of children. So what else can I do? So then I added something else and went, well, that's helping more, but it's still not helping everyone. And so I, I think for me, it's how can I help as many families as I possibly can um, with the services that I provide? Wow. And you do this just on your own or do you have a team as well? Uh, so I do the majority of it, but I have a great team behind me, you know, nice. we're only as good as the team. Absolutely. So a lot of people that kind of work freelance with you or part of your, part of a your lot of, well? a lot of freelancers, but they're, you know, that's the administrative sure. technical marketing side. Operational um, side of stuff. Yeah. Yep. The guts of it is me. Wow. Well, and do you find that when you are in the mediation process, do you have to deal with many other people from the family or is it just, you know, the, the, the two people, the partners? Uh, for me, it's, it's generally just the parents, right. um, but it can involve grandparents as well. As well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. There's a lot more cases these days of grandparents, um, you know, having that or f feeling like they're losing that contact contact or that relationship with the grandchildren and wanting to maintain that yep and then i suppose you know from a legal point of view because you know it's it's really it'd be very hard to you know always define that line between you know guidance and counseling and then the legal point of view and the you know what you have to do from a documentation point of view and a, a legal standpoint as to who has jurisdiction over what You're quite the juggling act i would assume uh, yeah, look, we've got a very, in the scheme of things, our um, the Family Law Act um, for Australia is quite easy in that regard. And the role that I play is really just in helping all the parties communicate right. um, and also to be heard. I think that's, you know, people can talk and people can listen, but whether they're actually heard and they felt heard, they felt like they have been heard, that makes such a huge difference. Okay. Wow. So, yeah. Fascinating. So what advice would you give people who are, you know, starting to go on this journey, unfortunately, what advice would you give them in terms of how to get a better outcome? One of the things that I always talk to the people I work with is to look at the situation as a whole and say, you know, this is what I think the issues are. And then ask yourself the question, what would the other person say? Because there's always going to be another side to the story. Yep. Put yourself in um, the other person's shoes. Yep. And this process is not about proving you are right. Definitely. This is not about making principled negotiations yeah. and decisions. Yeah. Just no, no room for stubbornness and pride and ego. Yeah. It's more about, you know, the, the kids. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, 
ask yourself if the decision or the position you're taking, is it based on all of that? Is it based on the fact that you're trying to prove that they are wrong and you're right? Um, is it the fact that you want to feel like you've got one up on them? Yeah. yeah. Because that's not a good place to come from. Yeah. Which is difficult. I mean, you know, if someone's been hurt and there's, you know, there's a lot of emotional baggage there, it's yep. not, as, not as easy as, as, it, as it sounds to be very pragmatic about things like that. Absolutely. And I think that's when it becomes a great um, mediation with a qualified mediator is a great tool because they can help you work through that, gotcha. okay. you know, or doing conflict coaching, you know, getting yourself organized first before you approach that conversation can really help. Right. So, so in other words, the step before mediation is actually conflict coaching sometimes. Yeah, look, for some people it is. And, you know, if you can organize, I suppose, get your thoughts organized and your position um, clarified internally, mm, I like that. then you might not need to go to mediation because mediation isn't mandatory. If you, you can reach an agreement any way yep. that you like. Yeah. Um, but sometimes that conflict coaching can be a great tool to just help you clarify your position and why you've got that position but also teach you how to listen and hear what the other person has to say at the same time. So it almost prepares you for the mediation process. And a lot of the times you might find that if you might get involved with conflict coaching on both sides, you might never have to take it further because they'll sort it out on their own. That's exactly it. And that's what we want because let's face it, as parents, you're going to have so many hiccups along the way. Mm. You know, children don't follow the perfect roadmap, unfortunately. They will change what they want to do and they'll want to do sports when it's on your particular day or, you know, there'll be so many obstacles or little speed bumps, as I call them, come up and you have to learn to navigate that. And that's actually a really good point you brought up. I mean, that's fascinating. How, How much of the process involves what the kids want? How much of that is taken into account? And how flexible is it moving? Like if you have an agreement and all of a sudden the kids might decide, oh, we actually want to do things this way, what happens? Well, that's up to the parents, isn't it? Because at the end of the day, when the parents come to us, it is, it's it's a child-focused mediation. But what the child wants will very much depend on how old the child is. Mm. Um, You know, if you ask my eight-year-old, for example, she'll be quite happily fed McDonald's every night for dinner. (laughs) Am I going to give that to her, on the other hand, is not you know, is a different story. So what they want um, depends on why they want it, you know, the influence behind it, their motivation for it, you know, their maturity levels, all of that. Um, And so the parents have to use, I suppose, their knowledge of the child. You know, they know their children better than anyone. So they're the perfect people to be making decisions about their children. Um, And yet so, well, not so many, but there are parents out there who are incapable of reaching that agreement. And then, you know, it goes to court and you've got an independent third party, a judge standing up there and he or she has to read the information. They'll hear what you have to say in the witness box, but without knowing your children intimately, like you do, they're making a decision. Yeah. And that's what you have to follow. So in my view, if you two can put your stuff aside for the sake of your children, there's no one better place to make a decision. I love that. It's almost like, you know, the mediation process is getting the parents ready 
to go on that journey and be flexible forevermore because they're going to have to be flexible. Absolutely. Don't just draw a line in the sand on a piece of paper and say, that's mine, that's yours. And that's it never changes. It it changes constantly. Absolutely. They're children. So it's almost like coaching for, for how to be, how to, how to look after each other and how to live with each other for the rest of their lives. Yep. Yep. And that's what, when I say, you know, our thoughts aren't fact, because at the end of the day, going through all these obstacles, we will be thinking that, you know, um, a common one for children is that, you know, as they grow up, they start wanting to spend more time with their friends than they do with us. And then um, the other parent all of a sudden feels like they're being alienated or they're, you know, the primary parent is, telling the children not to spend time with them, that, you know, they're not fun or whatever. And, you know, so all of a sudden they're thinking, well, he or she's alienating me. He or she's withholding the children from me. And that's a thought that they build up. And then that's, you know, they start acting on that thought. But quite frankly, most of the time, it's just the fact that the kids want to have fun with their friends. They don't want to spend time with the other parent either. That's right. <laughs> it's yeah, or that's Whoever's not. got the, the pool table or the pool or the, the better TV. Yep. That's where they go. Yep. Who Whoever says yes most. McDonald's and KFC, that's where they go. Yep. He's got the pantry um, full of chocolates. I'm going there. <laughs> unfortunately, you know, it, it's a, you know, as children grow up, there's more and more speed bumps that parents yeah. will hit. Fair enough. So this is almost like this is a journey in how to learn to think and be flexible and, yeah. you know, work together. That's what it's yes. about. Yeah. Yep. Fascinating. And has this... 15 years in this area made you a better negotiator, made you a better mediator in other parts of your life, would you say? Uh, I don't know that my husband would agree with that. <laughs> Let's bring him in. Where is he? <laughs> um, it's probably made me more mindful nice. of um, the, I suppose, the issues and it's made me more mindful of my reactions Equally, when my daughter pushes my buttons, I'm mindful of the fact that my buttons are being pushed and I'm reacting to them. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. you should not be reacting to this. Yeah, it's, um, it's automatic. You can't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm aware of it. Yeah. But it's a work in progress. Yeah. Fair enough. I love that. <laughs> so I'd love to hear a story or two if you can, you know, obviously being extremely yeah. confidential. It's great always to really um, explain a situation of how the process unfolded from the A to Z and give people a picture of exactly what you do and, you know, the benefits of, of this kind of service. Yeah. I suppose um, for me, one of the most beautiful um, situations that I was in was very, very recently. There was parents who were talking about a child who was only 12 weeks old. Oh it was like God. brand oh new baby, God, brand new baby. Oh. Um, and it was such a beautiful um, scene to watch mum had the baby and um, we were doing the mediation online yep. but she had the baby there and so dad could see the baby during the whole process um, wow. but to watch those two when they were talking about the decisions you could see them both looking at this child going this is what we're making a decision about this yeah. is you know, this is the impact for these decisions. And that, to me, it was a beautiful mediation. Yeah. I absolutely loved it. Um, the power of that. And I probably had underestimated the power of that before. Yeah. I mean, I'd say that, you know, because the baby or the kid was so young, that was such a powerful force yeah. in helping them resolve things properly. I'm sure when people come with 
kids that are five and seven and ten, maybe not so simple. No, and it wouldn't be a situation when they're that old to ever have them in the room. But right. it was just, yeah, to to have that I think has was such a powerful time for me and one that I haven't forgotten. But I think more so um, one of the other situations that sticks with me was a situation where mum wanted to move away with the children after the, she, they had separated yeah. and dad was, you know, he absolutely no they're not moving I'm going to lose my relationship with the children I'll never get to see them you know and there was I think there was three children in that case but um when we actually started to have the conversations about why he's taking that position um because I'll preface there that dad was um a bit of wasn't a FIFO worker but he flew in and out for his work Um, so he wasn't always around and mum's family was interstate. Yep. And, you know, so when we started talking about why he was taking that position, he, he was just scared. He just didn't want to, you know, he, he still wanted to see his kids. He wanted to be in yeah. contact with his kids. Yeah, he was he was scared. And so we were able to, you know, talk through that and mum was able to give him reassurance in, you know, demonstrating other things that she had done which kind of made him sit back and go, well, yeah, okay, it's not a bad thing. Yeah. Um, and again, but that's that, you know, our thoughts aren't fact. He was that's thinking right. mum's moving away. I'm, you know, she's cutting the kids off from me. I'm not going to get to see them. That's it. You know, I can say goodbye if they move. Yeah. But it wasn't the case. It's almost just expressing, you know, exactly why you're thinking what you're thinking. And it's amazing what can come out of that. Yep. Fascinating stuff. Negotiation 101 or expression 101, relationships 101. You could write a book. Yeah, relationships 101, but across the board. Yeah. And how is Zoom working, you know, in this in this model? Does it make a difference, do you think, or is it as seamless as, as if they were in front of you? Uh, I th- it has its moments. I think, I think it works well for the most part uh, because what I find is that people can be face-to-face, you know, just like we are now. Yeah and still be in the comfort of their own home whereas you know mediation traditionally you come into a you know a very stale cold office um and have to start to talk about something really personal it's that it's a very conflicting feeling yeah and i can imagine i suppose as well that sometimes it actually works better because you're not sitting right next to that person or you're you're you know you're you're already wanted to you know you're already turning this way and they're turning that way and if it's on Zoom, everybody's civil. We've got a glass of wine or a cup of coffee and we're just having a nice, normal conversation. It's not, you know, there's no tension and emotion filled in the room. That's it. And, you know, you can still have the separate breakout rooms. That's you right. don't always have to see each other. That's right. I love it. Um, so you still get to have the time to have a bit of a breather. Awesome. Well done. Fascinating stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's my first um, dive into this topic. I really didn't know much about it. Uh, for me, it's one of those areas that I think I could talk about for hours. Um, but to always bring it back to what can we do to pre- help these children, yeah. number one. Yeah. What's the longest mediation you've ever been involved in? The longest mediation? Um, probably would have been about 10 hours. 10 hours, that's it? Yep, yep. I pretty much cut the line off at that. 10 hours? <laughs> yeah. I thought you were going to say six months. No, 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 no. So mediations last for the day, you know. Oh, okay. Just everything's done beforehand and just on the day, let's get it done. 
And yep. after 10 hours, we're going to walk out of here with an agreement and we're done. Yeah. Um, I so, Like I did an online one the other day that lasted for eight. Um, and that's a long time to have people online. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if they're not focused, if they're not used to being looking at a computer screen for eight hours, it can be very tiring and very, very draining. Oh, my God. Now I know how politicians must feel when they're mediating who knows <laughs> what, you know, for hours and hours and hours, and days. Yeah, no. We try and keep them short and short and sweet because at the end of the day, you know, the mental energy and the emotional energy that it takes um, is a lot for people and they've still got to go home and look after kids themselves. That's right. It must be quite draining for you too. Yeah. yeah by the end of it, it's like, oh, <laughs> enough. <laughs> I'm not cooking dinner those nights. No. <laughs> That's where your husband steps in. Yep. Pre-planning. You got the, you got the job doing that. Yeah. Well done. That's fascinating. So Laurie, tell us a bit about how we can find you if we want to um, take benefit of for your services or if you want to get some information or learn a bit more about what you do. Yeah, you can jump onto my website. So it's familylawservices.online and there is a um, guide to separation and divorce. So if you just do uh, slash guide to separation and divorce, you can get all the information there. Love it. So all there and you can link out to all your social media handles as well if we need to. Absolutely. It's all there. Everything's under Family Law Services Online. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for doing this today. I'm going to put all those links in the notes for everybody. And uh, it's been a fascinating discussion. Is there anything that you want to leave us with? Any, any thoughts of wisdom, you know, from coming from 15 years of conflict resolution? <laughs> <laughs> For me, um, Darren, really, just remember we create our own realities. And so you don't have to believe everything you think. I like that. So true. It brings us right back to the topic. Yep. Thoughts are fact and express yourself, I suppose. Yeah. You know, in any situation, but especially in, in this type of situation, you have yep. to tell people what you think and how you're feeling. Yep. And don't make assumptions. Yep. Don't make assumptions. Ah, the mother of all. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Laurie, thank you so much. That was so much fun. I will um, make sure that we put all those details in the notes. And for everyone out there, I hope you enjoyed that. Feel free to chat to Laurie or um, look up her details if you're interested. And we'll see you very, very soon for another episode of Playing With Perspective the Suspended Animation Podcast. Bye for now. Thanks, Laurie. Thanks, Darren. Pleasure.